Hi, I'm Bettina from Bettina's Kitchen and I'm a plant-based chef, cookbook author and blogger. And I'm Nikki from Rebel Recipes. I'm a food blogger and also a cookbook author. And this is our podcast, What the Focaccia, kindly brought to you by the lovely team at Odyssey. Very much like us, Odyssey believe that food is a way of getting us back in touch with the things that matter the most in life. Food is so good at bringing us together, getting us to think about new ideas and, of course, feeding good conversation. Bettina, you're so right. Odyssey actually specialise in supplying fabulous Greek and Mediterranean flavours and ingredients. And you can see it all for yourself on their website, which is odyssey.com, spelt O-D-Y-S-E-A. It's definitely worth checking them out. And also they have a recipe section which has some amazing food ideas. And they have very kindly given us an exclusive offer for all of our podcast listeners. So if you order anything from Odyssey and use the code WTF15 at the checkout, you'll get 15% off, which is even more of a reason to check out their lovely produce. Right, let's meet this week's guest. So Olia is an amazing award-winning cookbook author and food writer. She's already got two very successful cookbooks under her belt and has just released her third, Summer Kitchen, which looks absolutely gorgeous. We're so happy to have you here, Olia. Thank you so much for having me. We're both massive massive fans of your books and your cooking um the stuff that you put up on social media the the dishes that you put up remind me of my childhood because my mother is bulgarian danish so i spent many many summers um in bulgaria eating amazing produce and tomatoes and sort of almost every single dish that you put up has a nostalgic memory for me which is um really really nice and it reminds me of all those beautiful dishes of slow living of slow cooking of spending time with my grandmother or spending time with my family during the summers and it's um you've got a very sort of nice nostalgic I wouldn't say tinge because that's quite negative, but you've, you've got a nostalgic tinge. tinge. <laughs> you've got a nostalgic sort of, it brings back nice memories. And, you know, a lot of the cooking nowadays is sort of quick and fast, but yours is the opposite. Thank you. But Bulgarian Danish, by the way, what a mix. <laughs> that's amazing. My father's Norwegian, just to, you know, confuse <laughs> it even more. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love all the mix. And I love um, and I love Bulgaria. That's definitely one of the countries that I would love to visit. And yes, you're right. It, they're both both Ukraine and Bulgaria are still pretty much all about you know slow cooking in a way that perhaps you're doing some preserving or um, you know it takes a little bit of time to do something, but then you've got something quick in the following months. Yes. Or like when my mom comes over and she would do like a big session of dumpling making and then I oh, freeze them yes. and then we've got um and then we've got a big stash of dumplings and then as soon as my son comes back uh we just um yeah put the dumplings on. Oh that sounds amazing. So so how's the book going? It's only just been released. What's the response been so far? Uh really good. Yeah. Uh you know it's always been a bit of a worry to release a book, you know, in these kind of like really strange times um but um it's the response has been really positive i think because you know with lockdown people have been able to slow down a little bit and to actually start cooking enjoy cooking and actually realize that even if a recipe or something seems a bit long it's not necessarily laborious and that's what the food and um, and recipes in summer kitchens are all about i'll just quickly explain uh, to our listeners 
uh, what the summer kitchens yes, are. It's, yes, it's called please. summer kitchens, and it's beautiful. And there's there's a whole story behind that, isn't there? Yes. Um, so it's not just about summer cooking. Um, summer kitchens are these small kind of outbuildings which are uh, prevalent all over Ukraine, especially in rural um, areas and small towns. And basically, uh, a few steps away from your main porch of your of your main house, you've got another little house, a one-room house, which just has a kitchen inside. So it, it almost looks like a mini version of the big house. You've got the roof, you've got the windows and a, and a porch and a door, but it's just the kitchen inside, almost like a kitchen workshop. Um, and they exist because it's really hot uh, in Ukraine, especially in the south. So, you know, in the summer, apart from doing all of your everyday cooking there, people also cook a lot more because they're preserving for winter. Because Ukraine, especially in the past, I mean, things are changing a little bit now, of course, but it's always been very seasonal. So in the winter, mm. you would get your regular winter vegetables, you know, your potatoes, root vegetables, etc. But you wouldn't have anything fresh. So, you know, fermentation, preservation is really huge in Ukraine. And come September, people would have a glut of vegetables that they've grown. And they, you know, all of the like three liter, a very specific three liter jar would come out, like <laughs> hundreds of them. They would get kind of, uh, you know, uh, blasted by hot water. And then you see these spikes outside, um, outside of the summer kitchens where they're upside down, um, kind of, you know, drying in the sun. Right. And then they would be used uh, to essentially it's like canning, isn't it? So some things yeah. will be fermented and some things will be fermented and then the fermentation process will be stopped. And all of the kind of sour flavors will remain, but the process will be stopped and they will be preserved in jars in the, in the cellar uh, throughout winter. And people would, would, would use it as a, instead of your fresh vegetables, basically. And of course, the same would happen to uh, fruit, uh, either jams or even whole kind of peaches would be preserved in a, in a oh, light sugar they syrup. They are the best. <laughs> whole so peaches, good. they are the best. So good. <laughs> yeah, so the book is about that. So it's got summer uh, cook summer dishes, very light summery dishes. It's got a whole big chapter and it's the first chapter in the book co called September Sessions and that's all about fermentation and preservation. And then also there is a meat and fish chapter, loads of uh, baking, low, uh, you know, a recipe for sourdough, so if you haven't started doing it during lockdown, there's a recipe for beginners there. And it's, you know, it's a it's it's bright and um, uh, and it talks a lot about regional Ukrainian cuisine. Uh, but it's also quite easy to cook in the UK because there's no ingredients that are too Ukraine specific. You can find everything here as well. Amazing. That is so, so exciting. And I think it's it, it's the right time now because people have sort of caught on to the fermentation sourdough. Lots of people have been baking and have more time for cooking. So really good timing in, a, in an odd way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, when even when I was writing the book, I decided to include this beginner sourdough recipe because, well, I started doing it and I realized how easy it was to do with my mom's method. And But, but it was still a bit of a wild card. And I thought, Ooh, are people going to make it? Am I? I'm risking too much here. But then I, I just still I decided to put a few sourdough things in and a few other things, which, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, publishers are a little bit maybe wary of like mm, this looks like people won't be bothered to do it, and now hopefully they they will be more so because they realize that 
you know, it's not necessarily a laborious process. Even with sourdough, you, you do a quick thing and then you just go and watch Netflix for half an hour. Then you do another little thing, you know, stretch and fold or whatever. You go back to what you were doing. So it's not like you're straining yourself um, too much. It's just, it's just a little bit of planning and time, basically, which we have now. So. Yeah, exactly. we do, we do. And I think that's, <laughs> yeah. um, I think what's really nice actually sometimes with a cookbook is having a mix of things that are super accessible. And if you sort of get people on board with, with those and they love them, then they're willing to invest the time to make something a little bit more involved. Yeah, exactly. So um, you're obviously so passionate about your cuisines. And you've, I mean, we, we, we know anyway that you've had a sort of an, uh, an interesting history in terms of how you came to cooking, but we'd love you to tell us about it. So uh, I came to the UK at the age of 18 and uh, did my BA degree in Italian, well, lived in, it- in Italy, you know, as an exchange year, came back came back to the UK, finished that, went to London, did my MA degree. And then I worked in a um, film business magazine called Screen International as a junior reporter uh, for three years. And I loved it. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty cool job. Um, but by 2008, uh, the whole financial crisis happened. And by that time, I kind of started cooking quite obsessively. I was just, I just watched, you know, all the programs, read all of the magazines, um, I had these like massive stacks of delicious and everything in the house <laughs> that I didn't know what to do with. Um, and, uh, when the crisis happened, there were loads of redundancies and I've kind of survived five rounds of redundancies. And then at some point I remember I was ill at home. And then this whole advert for Leith's, uh, school, uh, school of food and wine came on telly and I just went, why am I not doing this? And I went back to work the next week and I casually mentioned it to my best friend who I worked with. And she just turned around and said, oh, are you thinking of retraining? And she she said it in such a cash kind of way that it gave me loads of encouragement. It just made me feel like, oh, you're asking about this so casually, like it's a thing that can just happen. And all of a sudden it was just like, boom, okay. And then um, luckily my parents were still kind of able to help me out with the you know, with the fees, because it wasn't cheap, because uh, I, I went to my mom was like, I know you, I've got this, all of this university education, but I've got to do this. I just have a, you know, I have a feeling in my bones and my gut that, you know, and my mom was like, I had this crazy dream. And, you know, about like me going up a mountain, something crazy. <laughs> and they helped me out. I was so surprised because, I mean, it's a mad thing, isn't it? I mean, they might think my dad, his whole life dreamt that I'll become a businesswoman or something like super strong businesswoman. And I was like, just not interested in business. And then I'm like, I want to be a chef now. Um, so they helped me out. I went to Leeds. Um, I did my training. I loved it. Uh, it gave me loads of confidence. I then worked in restaurants, uh, for a bit, which was super intense. And then, but, but really essential. I think I always kind of recommend to people to do it at least for six months. If they do training, I think it's really helpful. And then I had my son, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, that was, yeah, eight years ago. And then I did catering jobs, everything. I was... Yeah. Did you go through a period where you just said yes to everything? Yes. Regardless of what it <laughs> I think Nikki and I have done something very similar where you just go, yes, 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 yes. Oh, because you don't know if you're a freelancer, you just don't know when the money is going to be coming in or not, exactly, you know, and, or not. And I was also a single mom by that point and, pay, you know, doing all of the rent, the rent, paying rent for my flat was mm. expensive. And yeah, 
So exactly, Bettina. I was just saying yes to everything, doing all of the jobs that I could, assisting, uh, you know, uh, working for different caterers. Uh, luckily, actually, there was my, a friend of mine had a catering uh, company from her house, which was just two streets away. That's why I could return to work as early as when my son was six months. Wow. Thinking back, my son now is six months and I'm thinking, oh, my God, how did I do all that? It was intense. Um, and then at some point I got a job uh, being a recipe developer for the startup company, which was great. So I did that for a year when Sasha was uh, one to two. And then um, during this time, I wrote to the Gar to Guardian Cook because mm. it looked, I opened the, the, the magazine and it looked like they were really open to different cultures and, and unknown writers, which was really interesting. You know, it wasn't just all of the kind of well-known names there. And I just wrote to them and I said, look, you've got this get together column and I'm, I'm having my uh, 29th, I think, birthday party. Um, and I'm cooking some Georgian and mm. Ukrainian uh, food and my partner at the time was Thai so and he's cooking Lao food so it's going to be this you know and they called it global barbecue wow. and they me mentioned more and they did my recipes and a little piece and then they kind of like asked for more recipes for this other column which I kept on pitching so I had some stuff in the Guardian uh, by the time that I lost the, the, the recipe developing job um, and I was going to become a, well, I thought, oh, I have this portfolio now. I'm going to become a freelance um, food stylist. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, nobody wanted me because it was, it was January, February. There was no work. And also people were like, well, who are you? You know, you have to assist for another four years. Yeah. So I started kind of assisting. And, um, but really, I mean, there was no stable income. It was quite a depressing time. But uh, an agent uh, spotted the recipes in The Guardian and she sent me an email, a really long email, you know, from a big agency, United Agents. And she said, look, nobody's doing Eastern European food, really, not Ukraine. Why don't you come and talk to me? I went and I talked to her and, t you know, told her everything about me. I talked for two hours nonstop. <laughs> And she said, you tick every box, but you've got like 500 or 1,000 uh, Instagram followers. Your profile is nowhere near. Go and do, keep doing what you're doing. Come back to me in two years. When was this? And that was in 2015, I think. Wow. Or 2014, 2015. And I went away, but uh, with kind of like a, my heart kind of sank. But then mm. I also picked myself up quickly. I was like, no, but there's something there. So I have to keep going. So I emailed all of the kind of assistant photographers mm -hmm. and I asked them to do a test shoot with me. So I, uh, you know, so I had some professional pictures of the food that I was thinking of, Ukrainian food. And loads of them re refused, actually. They were like, oh, Ukrainian food, you know, because of, I don't blame them. I mean, there is this, you know, there's always been this reputation of it being bland and just brown food and cabbage and overcooked things. <laughs> and, uh, but Chris Kirkham, who ended up shooting the book, was very enthusiastic about it. And we did a, um, a shoot and it all looked gorgeous. And then one thing led to another. Basically, uh, Faber Guardian were interested in the book. And that was two months after my meeting with Ariella, who's now my agent. That's amazing. You know, I'm still kind of pinching myself. It was yeah. when I decided to retrain, this was never the ultimate dream even, maybe somewhere at the back of my head, but I wasn't even working towards that consciously. So for it all to happen like that was kind of, yeah, it was pr pretty insane. I almost think that you might have been working towards it, but you were working towards, I almost see it like working towards what you were always meant to do. 
And when you are on that path, you kind of do things unconsciously and you, you work really hard and it's almost like you're on a mission and then (laughs) things sort of fall into place, but they fall into place because you're sort of, you're constantly working with something that you absolutely love. I couldn't put it better. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that was exactly it. And then, yeah. And then Ariella just, uh, said to me, okay, we need the proposal then. Like, I'm signing you up, but we need a proposal yesterday or something she said. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I put my son to bed. I remember at eight o'clock in the evening and I sat down and I was like, tick, 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 just typing away. And, you know, just to explain to our listeners, the, a book proposal is actually quite a serious thing, especially the first one that you do. It's big. Yeah. And it's sort of like, a mini book and I don't think people necessarily realize that you actually have to have the whole book structure the recipes it's it's actually like a book yeah 12 full recipes 100 recipe titles I remember I had to do loads of you know your lyrical writing to show yeah. you know explain what Ukraine is and Ukrainian food is market research who else is doing similar stuff yeah and then also of course I had the photographs which I think also really helped and yeah, that proposal was finished. So eight, I put Sash to bed, four in the morning, it was done. And I had to wake up very much in an hour because oh he was gosh. little and he would wake up and fly. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Ariella, here's the proposal. I hope yeah. this is okay. And she was like, yes, brilliant. She did a quick edit. We sent it yeah. off. We went to meet all of these um, people at the, you know, different publishers. And then in the end, there was this, um, uh, what's it called? Like a... Bidding war. Bidding, Bidding war. war. Yes. <laughs> Which was crazy. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. say what? So yeah, so that happened. Uh, and in the end, yeah, I went with Octopus because they, I don't know, they were just... They are great. They are great. They were absolutely fantastic. And they were, I don't know, there was just some gut feeling that I had. And I, and I went with them and they did such an amazing job with Mamushka and let me do my thing like they yeah. didn't force me to put my picture on the cover which you know I was really against I was like it works for some people but for what mm-hmm. I want to do it's not it is about my family and everything but it's not really about me so I wanted yeah. it to be quite graphic and mm-hmm. also another thing that I really wanted to do was to uh, shoot some of it in Ukraine and that was like a deal breaker for me because it's it's all good to shoot this kind of stuff in London in the studio and it can work yeah. as well. And we did some of it in London indeed. But I also wanted to show the people, the market, my family, yeah. you know, so luckily they they allowed us to go. I think um, we've sort of touched upon this before, but um, in terms of giving people advice that are on this sort of journey and wanting to do books or, you know, wanting to get into this space, what, what advice would you have? Just do it because you just love cooking and you're not scared of doing a few years at least of really hard graft uh, for not very much money. It was easier for me because I left a junior reporter job. So I, I only dropped a couple of thousand a year. You know, I went from 19,000 a year to 17,000 a year in the restaurant. I don't know how I survived on that, to be honest with you. But that was the reality of it. And and it was fine. I loved I loved what I was doing. So I've got an eight-year-old son, Sasha, and I just... And I keep on kind of like telling him because he, he you know he keeps thinking like oh what I want to do when I'm older da, da, da. and I'm just like just make sure that whatever you're doing it's almost like turning a very you know a hobby or something that you're really really passionate about or that that's just all you want to be doing 
Like at the moment, he's like crazy about stop motion animation. And he's getting pretty good. I mean, lockdown has been very good to develop skills. But I'm like, you know, <laughs> if that's something that you love, like keep working at it, keep doing it. But it it must bring you just immense pleasure, even if it's hard, even if it's long hours, even if it's low pay. Like just think about it in that way. And then once you're there and if it's meant to be, as Bettina said, if if then you will just naturally project this energy and passion. And I think that will attract the right kind of people. And Definitely. I think passion and love for what you do and then the rest will follow. Yeah, lots of years of hard graft, but with lots of passion and, and with lots of love and and things sort of fall into place. But I think with social media and sort of Instagram, there's there's a very sort of glitzy, glamorous facade to it all. And I think we forget to talk about the sides that include hard work, <laughs> long hours, um, and sort of... Always working. Always working, always on for 20, 24-7 you're on because you're sort of, you're available because you've got a phone on you, haven't you? Yeah. And we sort of forget to talk about those sides as well. I was going to actually ask you, because um, I get asked this a lot. I've got a seven-year-old and she sort of came as a bit of a surprise as well right at the beginning of my food career so she's been sort of involved in everything and between my husband and myself we've kind of made it work but I get asked about her a lot and in terms of work and how you make it work obviously because we're women as well and some people seem to sometimes think that you have to choose one or the other how do you deal with that so yeah so Sash was he was two and a half when the book thing happened Mm. And I was already a single mom. So those years before I met my husband, Joe, I mean, it was incredibly tough. And and I'm so thankful and grateful that there was this uh, support uh, system almost in London. There was my best friend, Caroline, who lived a yeah. couple of roads down from me. And she's done so much for me. There was my amazing... Um, uh, childminder who never charged me extra if I was running late uh, and because she, she knew what I was do, you know what I was doing what I was going through and then uh, my uh, ex's mom actually would come from Worthing sometimes and look after Sasha as well and, and my mom my mom is just you know she's done so much I couldn't have done it without them I don't know it would just wouldn't have been possible so if you can kind of I'm sure like you're you know close people to you they will they will kind of like help you out but it was that kind of just kept going because it was so extremely hard mm. and now with joe um he's extremely supportive and now having this and being like oh my god this is really hard because i've so because i've got now i'm going through all of this again i've got like, yes you've got a six old. month old <laughs> and oh my god I'm, I'm just thinking now like how the but Jesus, did I do that? <laughs> like, how did I do it? I don't know. Because yeah. it's, 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 incre it's incredibly hard. Did you find that you also sort of made Sasha part of your journey? Yeah. You know, I found myself taking Isla to festivals. I've <laughs> yeah, taken yeah. her to talks. I've been on <laughs> retreats, the very strange mum with the child in a corner with a snack box during talks <laughs> with I earphones know. on. <laughs> 
And she's been like, oh my God, this is the best day ever. I get snacks. I get to watch Netflix. And yeah, I'll come with you and yeah. uh, sit through your one hour talk. Yeah, no, exactly the same. Uh, and I remember when I was doing promo for Mamushka and we went to all of the festivals, me, my mom and Sasha. And, and I remember during that time, I actually... I remember that he couldn't watch me like because he would just try to get on stage. So my mom had to take him away. Yeah. And then two years later, it was Caucasus and that was different. And then he was just actually watching for the first time. I was like, oh, this this feels nice. Yeah. And then, you know, he'd sit with me and would sign books and things. But yeah, it's uh, he's definitely been part of the journey. And also, I'm, you know, Sasha, if, you, if you're listening to this sometime in the future when you're actually interested in what I'm doing, thank you. <laughs> because <laughs> you have been a huge part and it's been amazing and it gave me loads of creative energy as well, I think. So, um... Ollie, I was going to ask you, what, what are you most proud of out of everything you've done to date? One of the most proudest things that I am, only because I'm proud of myself as kind of like thinking back, because I was a child, like a teenager at the time, when I moved to Cyprus when I was 12, we did a bit of English, you know, in, at, at school and I had private lessons just before we emigrated. But my English was nowhere near. I got into the school by my written kind of English, but my spoken English was really rubbish. I didn't understand anyone. You know, people would kind of make jokes and it would be completely over my head. Like I just, you know, I I couldn't really speak. But by the age of 15, and for some reason we had the old um, system in, in the Cyprus English school, and we did O levels. And I got, I was one of the three people or something in my class that got an A for English. Wow. And I think still it's one of those feelings that I was just like, you know, I think to achieve something like that in two years was really quite something. And now I'm, I write books in English and I don't know, I think it's this. I'm, I'm in a bit of a weird limbo now because I actually think in English, but I don't think it's perfect. I still sometimes make you know, mistakes, but then my, my Russian and my Ukrainian are not perfect either. So it's just like, hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that achievement with um, getting really good marks for my English exam to date, I, I am the most kind of, also because I can kind of allow myself to feel that way because I was a kid and I'm just like, I feel quite maternal towards myself at that time, you know, what I, if you know what I mean. Um, but of course, books and things as well. But honestly, I mean, I don't know, and Bettina as well. I mean, to write in a, in a, you know, not your first language, I think that's unbelievable. I can't even imagine to be able to do that. You were wrong, Chomsky. I think you said, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you didn't learn the language before you were five, you're never going to master it. But, you know, I think it's possible. So I still have hopes for, for my son, Sasha, who I, I taught quite intensively when when he was much younger and he spoke and he knows Cyrillic and stuff, but now he's refusing. He doesn't want to speak to me. He understands 80% of what I'm saying, but he doesn't reply, ah, but I'm still keeping my fingers crossed, you know, when he's a bit older and well, he'll realize that it's kind of cool. He'll, he'll start using it. I don't yeah, know. Just, hoping. I I'd continue talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep doing that. I'm so grateful that my mum did. So I speak Bulgarian with her. Uh, and actually with my daughter, I speak Swedish now because with Swedish it was it's more practical so she can understand Danish and Norwegian and she's got a Danish passport but it's um it's just it's an extra it's a bonus language and it's so it's really really practical and good to have that in yeah. your back pocket. 
So yeah, there's there's hoping. I don't know. At the moment, he's like, stop talking to me in Ukrainian. <laughs> <laughs> maybe because I use it quite a lot to tell him off in front of other people, so they don't know what I'm saying. So maybe it's my fault for making it like the telling yeah, off language. Yeah, anyway, yeah, bad language. Oh, well, honestly, thank you so much, Olia, for joining us today. An absolute pleasure. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening. We really do hope you enjoy our food conversations. Absolutely. And please feel free to follow us on our socials, Bettina's Kitchen and Rebel Recipes. And of course, all of this has been made possible thanks to our sponsor, Odyssey, who supply incredible Greek and Mediterranean flavours and ingredients. You can see it all for yourself, along with some brilliant recipe ideas on the website, which is odyssey.com, spelt O-D-Y-S-E-A. And don't forget that as a listener to our podcast, you get an exclusive 15% off on your order just by using the code WTF15 at the checkout. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to get more podcast episodes and please feel free to give us a five-star rating. Happy cooking and we'll see you soon.